Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message was preached on January 2nd, 2022 from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Thank you for We're starting a new study today, brand new study. At first glance, it might look like we're doing a study of the Gospel of Luke, Luke will only be our text. I want you to understand what our real focus is. We're studying Jesus. Luke is the one who wrote it all down, but our study is Jesus himself. Now, you're well aware of this. There is no greater book in the world than the Bible and no greater study in the Bible than Jesus. It's good to have general Bible knowledge and to know the book from Genesis to Revelation, and to be able to answer every Bible trivia question. But you can know everything there is to know about Adam and Eve, and Abraham, and Moses, and David, and Samuel, and Mary, and Peter, and Paul. And if you don't know Jesus, you've missed the whole point. And so we're going to spend quite a bit of time studying Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, because I really want you to know who Jesus is I want you to know what he did, what he said, how he thought, how he lived, how he loved, how he treated others, what he expected of his disciples, how he died, how he rose. And so I want you to understand I'm doing something I've never done before in my entire ministry. I'm going to take you through a nearly two-year study of the Gospel of Luke. It's going to take us that long to do a very thorough study of the 24 chapters. It's the longest book in the New Testament by total number of verses and words. It's the longest study there. And as I was kind of breaking it down section by section, I realized this is longer even than I anticipated. I do want to warn you of something, though, that Luke does a masterful job of presenting Jesus as he is and not as the oversimplified kind of cultural Jesus that is often proclaimed, or, or the simple Jesus of children's Sunday school. You get the full picture. He is both Jesus, gentle Savior, meek and mild, and an angry man who drove vendors out of the temple because of their lack of respect for God. He's both a sweet little baby boy and a man in agony and pain on the cross. He showed great compassion to children and to widows and to hurting people, and yet he was unafraid to call out the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And so Luke presents him in many ways, the creator of the universe, a 12-year-old boy in the temple asking good questions, a man in anguish crying out from the garden for God's help. I want you to understand that, that Jesus is incredibly complex because he is God. So resist the urge to think you understand all about Jesus. None of them, none of us fully completely know him. I don't yet, you don't yet. And so I'm entering into this study with a great desire to know him more completely and to teach you who Jesus is. Now let's begin with an introduction to Luke. If you Google Luke, I often do that just to see what people are saying. If you Google Luke, this is what you will find. <laughs> but trust me, 
These are not the Lukes we're looking for. <laughs> Luke is the third book in the New Testament, one of three of what are often called the synoptic gospels. Now, I'm not going to use a whole lot of unfamiliar words. Luke didn't. But uh, the word synoptic just means seeing together because Luke, like Matthew and Mark, tells the story of Jesus from the same general pattern, a chronological point of view. John takes more of a thematic way. Um, and I want you to understand it. And so today we're going to look at the introduction to Luke. And, and, and then really for the rest of the time, we, we focus not on Luke himself, but on Jesus, because that's who he's presenting. So, we're going to read the introduction. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let's stand together as we read this introduction to this incredible book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now you may be seated, that is our text for today, and I really do want you to understand the introduction to the book, for it's going to give us insight and confidence into our study. So today I'm going to kind of talk you through the introduction to the book, and let's start with the author. The author is Luke, and he is writing to a man named Theophilus. There's not a whole lot we know about Luke. What we do is that he was a highly educated physician. He was familiar with languages and classic writings. His, his uh, writing style indicates that he knew how to write classical Greek as well as everyday Greek. Probably he was from Antioch in today's Syria. He may have first heard about Jesus from the apostle Paul. But there's also an abundance of evidence that he knew Jesus personally. Some speculate that he was one of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out because he gives unusual great detail about that particular episode. But it's clear that he knew personally many of the people he wrote about, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Luke also wrote the Gospel of Acts, which is the second longest book in the New Testament. And so his writings show this incredible ability to be a very careful historian. He wrote based on study, investigation, firsthand knowledge, interviews of people. He also traveled with Paul at times. And so he knew what he was speaking about. He writes his book to a man named Theophilus a man who is only mentioned twice in the New Testament. We know really nothing about him except his name, and I think I've shared with you before that his name is the favorite name of mine in the entire New Testament. Theophilus means lover of God. And so he's writing to this lover of God. By the way, you have no idea how close my sons Kenny and Kevin came to be named Theophilus. 
that was my choice until my wife Dawn said, Theophilus is Theophilus suggestion I've ever heard of. <laughs> and so my children, uh, my sons are Kenny and Kevin. I will tell you this, I'm currently offering my children a cash bonus if they will name one of my grandchildren Theophilus. And so far they've all turned me down. So any of you prospective parents out there, <laughs> you will have my blessing and we can negotiate the cash bonus when you name your son Theophilus. From Luke, the author, to Theophilus, lover of God. And so that's the authorship of this book we will be studying. Now, let's take a look at the subject Luke says he is writing an orderly, accurate account of the things that have been fulfilled, the things of Jesus. So understand, this is not a once-upon-a-time kind of story. This is not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away type of fictional account. Luke reminds us right from the beginning that he is writing as a historian and not as a storyteller. He's telling us what happened in the ministry of Jesus in a very logical, straightforward, orderly, and accurate way. So understand what he's saying. He's saying, I've done my homework. I've talked to eyewitnesses. I know what I'm speaking of. I've reviewed the other writings and the other gospels. As a matter of fact, it's very clear that he had either read the gospel of Mark or he used some of the, the same written materials that Mark did. And so he's saying, this is my account based on careful study of the events prior to Jesus' birth, how Jesus was born, what is known of Jesus' childhood, and especially the events of his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. I've told you before that the word gospel means good news. And in modern American culture, the word gospel has also come to mean truth. And so Luke is the gospel gospel, the truth of the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, you're well aware that the Bible is under attack today. Every statement in the Bible is disputed. Every geographical detail is questioned. Every historical detail is under review. And there are many people out there, and you need to be aware of this, there are many people out there with no real evidence at all, except for their personal opinion, who claim that the Bible is untrue. But the more we study history, and the more we study archaeology, and the more we learn, the more that we find out the Bible is accurate, and Luke knows what he's talking about. Let me give you an example. For many years, um, archaeologists and historians and others doubted the biblical crucifixion accounts. The, the Bible is clear that his hands and Jesus' hands and feet were nailed, and historians and archaeologists said that's not the way it happened. This is a made-up story. They just tied the feet. They didn't, they didn't nail them. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but just in the last year, archaeologists found this. This is a nail through a heel bone 
that was found either from the first or second century in a far-flung part of the Roman Empire, modern England, actually, which shows that the Bible knows what it's talking about. And over the years, the people have doubted it and doubted it. Archaeologists, historians, you guys know I love reading National Geographic, which is where they made reference to this, and they're coming to say the details are right. Old Testament, New Testament. The cities are being studied. The archaeology says Luke knew what he wrote of. And so understand that Luke is an orderly and accurate account of the things of Jesus. Now let me expound a little bit on on the technique that Luke used in writing his gospel. He says he used eyewitnesses and detailed investigation. I love the way he worded it. He said these truths, quote, were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And he said, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. This was not a man in a trance writing a a rambling story. This is a man going to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we'll get to that study soon, and saying, tell me about the birth of this man who would become known as John the Baptist. This is a man sitting down with Mary and saying, tell me everything you know about the birth of Jesus. I want to get it right. This is a man talking to Peter, reading Matthew's notes, listening to John give details, interviewing the disciples, going to the tomb, reading everything that he could that had been written and putting it in final form. And so as we study the Gospel of Luke, you will find historical details, medical details, geographical details, and timelines of the ministry of Jesus. It's not just a story. It's real history. I saw a good movie yesterday. I, I recommend it, um, by the way. Um, it's uh, an American underdog. It's the story of Kurt Warner, and it's a pretty fascinating story. Um, but it said, like many movies today, said right at the beginning, based on a real story. And you know what they mean when they're saying that. There's truth in this story, but we have embellished it and added some details. That is not what Luke did at all. I want you to understand what Luke said is, I did the study, I talked to people, I was there in the eyewitnesses, I traveled with Paul, I understood what this is all about, and what I am giving you is an accurate, orderly account based on detailed investigation. It is, as I said, the gospel, gospel, the truth of the good news. And that helps us understand his goal. He says, I'm writing so that you, Theophilus, and others can know with certainty the truth. So that you may know, Theophilus, he said, the certainty of the things you have been taught. Theophilus, up to this point, had what I'm calling a a partial faith, a secondhand faith. He picked it up from Luke, who had apparently already told him about Jesus, and he was reliant to a certain part upon Luke's faith for his own faith. And now Luke is saying to Theophilus, I'm giving you the evidence 
I've done the research. I've talked to the eyewitnesses. And I've written down the events as they really happened because I want you to know with all certainty the truth. Now listen carefully to me as I tell you something. Secondhand faith is shallow. Much of the church today, I'm not talking ours, I'm talking to the church as a whole in America. Much of the church today has what I'm calling secondhand faith. We picked it up from mom and dad, or from a pastor, or it's just part of our family culture. There comes a time in which you must look at the facts yourself and determine what you really believe and make sure that it's not second-hand faith, that it's real faith. This is not just what mom and dad told me. This is not just what my pastor told me. This is not just what I learned in church as a child. I've looked at the evidence. I've read the Bible. And I have decided this is what I believe. That Jesus is the Son of God. That he was born of a virgin because he is God. That he lived a perfect life. That he died on the cross for my sins. That he rose again on the third day. That he is calling me to believe in him. Everybody has to move from secondhand faith. This is what I've heard, and I've assumed that it's true, to real faith. This is who I am. He really did do these things. He really did say these things. The miracles aren't just story, they're history. He really did die on the cross. He really did rise. Now listen, I'm not putting down secondhand faith because that's where it starts for most of us. I became a believer because I saw the gospel work out in my mom's life, my dad's life, my grandparents' life. My pastor told me about it. My Sunday school teachers told me about Jesus. I teach it to my children and my grandchildren and to you. So I'm not putting down secondhand faith. I'm just saying there comes a time in which you've got to accept it yourself. It's yours. It's not what mom and dad believe. It's not what my spouse believes. It's not what my preacher believes. It's not what the church teaches. It's me, and it's mine, and that's why Luke was writing to Theophilus. By the way, we don't know what Theophilus decided. He's just mentioned here and in the first part of Acts. The Bible doesn't give us that information. So we will set him aside after this week of our study. But I will constantly challenge you. What do you believe? I hear too many people say when they're talking about Jesus, well, the Bible says, or my pastor says, or the church believes. I'm challenging you to come to the point where you can say with absolute conviction, this is what I believe. It's not anyone else's faith. It's my faith. So what am I asking you to do? I always close with, with, with some uh, um, practical steps. What do you do now? I'm going to ask you to do three big things. The first is this. Commit to a study of the entire book. 
Now, I told you that's going to take about two years. But I want you to read the book for yourself. Come to worship. If, if you can't, view it online. If you can't view it, listen to the podcast. Not so much because I want you to listen to me. Because I'm going to take you through a study of Jesus and I want you to know Jesus. So commit to yourself that you are going to study Jesus based on the Gospel of Luke and go through it in, in some detail. Then I'm going to ask you to decide. You may already have come to that conclusion or maybe over the course of the study. I'm going to ask you to decide whether you know that Jesus is the Son of God. And again, I want that first-hand faith. See, I grew up with second-hand faith and it was good for a while. It's what mom and dad taught me. It's what my preacher said. It was good. But you kind of go through this process as you become an adult in which you've got to decide what you believe. And some of my children are going through that. And I keep praying for them because I don't want them to have daddy's faith. I want them to have their faith. And I want you to decide absolutely, with absolute certainty and real conviction, this is my faith. I believe Jesus is real. Until you do that, your faith is limited. It'll never truly transform your life. You'll be part of cultural Christianity, but not a personal disciple of Jesus. And so I'm asking you to take some serious time and decide what you believe. And then once you decide yes... Make an absolute full commitment to Jesus. Which is much deeper than, I'm going to go to church. Or I'm going to read my Bible. Or I'm going to pray. You're going to decide that Jesus really is the Son of God and that He died for you. You're going to put your faith in Him. You're going to follow Him. You're going to do what He leads you to do. And I'm asking you to make that. This is not a study on shallow Christianity, cultural Christianity. This is what the church believes. This is you and I come to grips with who Jesus is. And I want you to know him. I want to know him better. And I want to make a full and more complete commitment to Jesus. And that's where I want to lead you. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you and may God bless you and your family.